Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. Before we get started today, I want to tell you about two events coming up that you may want to attend. You can join WDET's news director, Jerome Vaughn, reporter Jake Neer, and other DET staffers for some trivia and talk before the next Democratic presidential debate. This is tomorrow, February 25th at Hopcat in Midtown. Also, on March 4th at 7 p.m., Latino USA, which you hear Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. right here on WDET, is coming to Detroit. I'm going to join host Maria Hinojosa at the Senate Theater in Southwest Detroit at 7 p.m. again on March 4th for a live conversation about the presidential contest, about Southwest Detroit, about immigration, and a host of other subjects. That program is going to be recorded for the In the Thick podcast. You can find information about both events at wdet.org slash events. Up first today, if you've ever seen an episode of Law & Order, you know that everybody has a constitutional right to an attorney, even if you can't afford one. But that's only really true in criminal cases. In civil cases, there is no guarantee to counsel. So if you're facing something like eviction, for example, you're probably on your own in court if you can't afford a lawyer. And there are lots of other civil kinds of cases that involve very serious matters. The Michigan Supreme Court has created a task force to find ways to close this gap in the court system. The Justice for All Task Force is going to hold a town hall meeting tonight in Detroit to get input from the public and from stakeholders. And joining us now to talk more about this close the civil justice gap uh, movement is Michigan Supreme Court Justice Brian Zara. Brian, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. You did a great job of framing that issue. (laughs) It's something I might have had a little time to think about uh, while I was covering the U.S. Supreme Court for a bit. But uh, it's exciting to, to, to be thinking about this issue here in Michigan. Talk about the problem that exists with civil litigants and the fact that they are not guaranteed lawyers the way criminal defendants are. Well, uh, it's it's an issue that I've been passionate about since uh, practicing law, where I participated in the pro bono efforts at my old law firm, Dickinson Wright. Uh, but but the bottom line is that 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 constitutional right only attaches to criminal proceedings, and oftentimes people find themselves in a legal dilemma where they're being sued and they have no idea how to proceed. Oftentimes, uh, perhaps they are in a position where they are unable to afford to retain an attorney, or it could be that it is a significant legal problem, but not one that justifies uh, you know, retaining an attorney. So, for example, if the amount in controversy is somewhere between five dollars and $10,000, what you might find is in order to get an attorney uh, that they're going to want that same amount of money. So it's very difficult to, you know, to protect your interests. So... Uh, in, in, in the various courts in Michigan, we've we've known for some time that there's a good number of litigants who come in into civil cases without representation, and what we're trying to do is is provide information that will allow them to uh, better be able to represent themselves, and it, it serves really two purposes: one, to level the playing field so that they have uh, the information about their civil uh, lawsuit rights, 
and, and how to defend or to proceed in the, in the matter, but also to expedite and make more efficient the proceedings in the, in the court, because when someone comes in without a lawyer, it, it, it definitely slows down the proceedings. Yeah. So let's talk about the kinds of cases where this issue is maybe most pronounced. I mentioned in the in the open eviction cases, for instance, where you've often got very poor defendants who um, who are facing landlords who have means and maybe are a little more sophisticated. Can you talk about some of the other kinds of cases like that where sure. it's not just about money but about people's lives? Yes. Landlord-tenant is a big one, but we also uh, note that there are a number of people who come in with family law issues, uh, divorce proceedings, perhaps fraternity proceedings, and uh, they need to you know, they need to move on with their lives and, and get past a divorce. They don't have a lot of assets, and uh, they, you know, one party might get a lawyer or they simply file on their own, and they come in without representation. Um, oftentimes, it's credit card debt. Uh, that'll happen quite often. Uh, another one that crosses the line of, of the type of cases are garnishments. So you might not even know that you were subject to a suit, and someone... Uh, uh, claim they served you or said they couldn't serve you and, and got the ability to do alternative service, and it could be breach of contract. It could be any number of things. Uh, once they, they go to court and say, you know, we, we did the alternative service, you may never know that you were the subject of a suit. They take a default judgment against you, get a money judgment, and then start a separate proceedings where they attack, you know, attach your bank account or go after your, your payroll check and start taking the money by garnishment because there's already a judgment in place. So those are just a few examples of where there's a big need. Hmm. Uh, and talk about the the how this fits into the context of governments, local governments or states passing right to counsel laws. That's something that we've heard something about here in Detroit, uh, New York, and San Francisco are also considering things like that. Uh, what what how how does this match with that that effort? So those those are really separate issues. What we're trying to do is be creative and innovative and come up with ways where we can provide assistance to educate people. And, and it may well be that a lawyer never gets involved in their case. So it could be that we are going to provide uh, greater education to the, to the staff at the courthouse, or perhaps there's a paralegal that's stationed at the courthouse. We're going to try to use technology. Some states have been very successful using technology. They put a a kiosk in the lobby of the courthouse uh, that's a self-help kiosk that will help walk you through. We definitely need to change our, uh, um, fill in the, you know, our, our court forms that are typically filled in by lawyers, and they know how to get through these forms rather easily. Hmm. We need to make those forms more user-friendly. Um, and, and that's not to say that lawyers wouldn't be involved, but we also have to educate our legal profession. There's something that's available in Michigan that's underutilized, and that's called limited scope representation. So you might be able to obtain an attorney to help you with a specific area of your case. You can ask them to help you develop the facts, help develop the law, maybe write legal documents for you. The scope is limited as to what the attorney is doing. It's a win-win because they're going to get paid for their time. And then the person can put some, you know, a little bit of sweat equity into their case take the advice they get from their lawyer, and then represent themselves on a more educated uh, basis. Hmm. 
this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Michigan Supreme Court Justice Brian Zara, who will be in Detroit tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. for a Justice for All Task Force public town hall meeting seeking input from residents, advocates, and others about addressing the civil justice gap in our legal system. And that is the subject of our conversation today. We're talking about the fact that if you are involved in a civil case in court, you don't have that same right to counsel that you would if you were a criminal defendant. Uh, This task force is looking at ways to level the playing field, to make it easier for civil litigants to defend themselves, uh, sometimes against uh, adversaries who are a little more sophisticated, have more money and resources, and may have attorneys. We would love to hear from you about this subject, too. Do you think we should guarantee the right to counsel for people in civil cases if they can't afford an attorney? Is that something you'd like to see your tax dollars paying for, for instance? We'd especially like to hear from you if you found yourself in a situation like this where you've been in civil court and couldn't afford a lawyer. What was that experience like? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. I'll also mention that this uh, this town hall meeting from 6 to 8 p.m. tonight is at the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Union Hall at uh, 1358 Abbott Street in Detroit. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Terry. Terry, what's on your mind? Good morning. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Judge. You know, I, the judge mentioned it, but mine was a suggestion, and that is to take some area of civil law that really touches a lot of people and turn the forms into English. They're written in such a way that it's so difficult for ordinary, intelligent people to even fill them out successfully. Hmm. So if you just had an area, maybe it's with evictions or something, you could do it as a pilot where you really switch the whole proceeding and all of the forms to English. Yeah, yeah, the the idea of demystifying the process for for people, uh, Justice Zara, I think I think is is obviously what's propelling this effort. But this is a pretty specific way to do it to to try to change the the, the language, I guess that's that's used uh, to to try to inform people of of the process and and what their rights are. Terry, you make a very good point. Uh, this whole town hall meetings that we're having. We had one in Grand Rapids last week, tonight at the uh, IBEW. We want to hear from people on their experiences to know what we're doing right and what we can do better. But one area we absolutely are certain that needs improvement is this very subject that you raise. Uh, Sometimes it's difficult for lawyers, new lawyers, to fill out these forms. We need to make them more user-friendly. We need to make it easier to get through the uh, through, through the forms so that people have a better understanding of what their hearings are about, what their rights are, and, and how to proceed. And that's definitely something we're going to do. But we want, uh, we want, impe- we want uh, input from, from lawyers and non-lawyers alike on how we can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Terry, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Let's go to Ed in Detroit. Ed, welcome to the program. Uh, a, a great conversation, as, as usual. Um, for a number of decades now, there have been in some parts of the country, of the state, particularly in the cities, uh, legal aid organizations that got some of their funding from the federal government. 
and there have been some clinics at some of the law schools. Hmm. One of the problems, of course, is money. They often don't have the money to to really meet the need of, that the public is always asking for, and they're not broadly spread out across the state. Um, Justice, what role, if any, do you foresee um, law school clinics? Because under our current rules, well, law students can provide some assistance in this area, and the role of, uh, of, of legal aid programs on uh, providing civil side um, representation. Mm, I'll listen on the air, on great, the radio. Great question, Ed. Uh, Justice R. Thank you, Ed. Yeah, that was that was a very good question. Um, I, I can tell you that when I was a new judge in the trial court in Wayne County, I'd have people come in unrepresented, and I thought it would be an easy thing for me as a judge to have, have them sit in the back of the courtroom. And when I was done with my motion call, I'd say, let me make a few calls. I'd call this legal aid clinic or that legal aid clinic. I thought they'd, I'd be able to get them representation. And, and, you know, it was an education for me. I couldn't for a variety of reasons. Most of these clinics were already filled up or they had specific uh, uh, criteria that was necessary and they didn't quite match. Uh, so we, we don't utilize our law schools enough. We don't utilize the legal aid clinics. Uh, or, or there's, there, we, we could, we could uh, use more legal aid clinics. And I think the law schools are an excellent source uh, uh, to do that. We've got um, a number of clinics already in existing law schools, but I think we can encourage the, the schools to do more. We can modify our court rules to make it easier for law students to practice under the supervision of a of a of a lawyer in the various courts. Uh, but it's it's a it's something that could be done that would be very helpful in this whole process. Uh, it's it's proven to be successful already, but we just don't have enough, and uh, it's an area where we can improve. Uh, thanks again, Ed, for the call and the question. Let's go to Anthony in Detroit. <clears throat> Anthony, what's on your mind? Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. They definitely should have representation in front of the court because, you know, the judges and magistrates, you know, if you don't have a lawyer, they will not even they, – they barely allow you to defend yourself. I had an issue where they made a mistake with my income, and I tried to bring it to the judge's attention. But instead of her listening – she threatened to hold me in contempt, saying, well, they made this decision based off the information you gave them. But that doesn't mean people don't make mistakes. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Anthony, I, I, I really appreciate your calling and sharing that experience. Friend of the court is yet another realm of civil litigation, Justice Sara, that, that has a real effect on, on people's lives. And even though it's not criminal, the idea of going into that court without a lawyer sometimes means uh, taking a real chance. Right. Front of the court's part of our family court system, and uh, the rules are designed uh, to be protective of minor children. And if you go into the front of the court without representation and misspeak, uh, it could cost you a lot of money. And we're aware of that. Uh, it could be that we need to make rule changes. Uh, uh, but again, you know, every action has its consequences. And so we have to be careful with the front of the court as it relates to how it's going to impact the minor children. Um, but, but we have heard uh, numerous stories about how people who are unprepared in front of the court and without representation end up getting the short end of the stick. So we are aware that that's an area where 
um, where this this justice gap is is very large, and we need to fill that. Mm. I, I thank you for your your comment, Anthony. <clears throat> uh, Justice Zara, I, I also want to talk about the bipartisan nature of this current court. Uh, we've got a Republican majority on the court, but led by a Democratic nominated. Chief Justice, I wonder if that bipartisanship is part of what makes this task force, for instance, possible, uh, coming together, I guess, across what people would would see as ideological divides on on the court seems to be producing some things that uh, we're not used to here in Michigan. Well, Stephen, for a long time, I've been saying that, 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 you know, Supreme Court judges generally, Supreme Court justices in specific, even though it's, we have a very strange system in Michigan where yes, you get nominated by the party and then run nonpartisan. <laughs> right. The judges don't don't put the robe on wearing an R or a D. You know, we're all there in search of the law, and we're there to improve. You know, the the, the criminal justice, the civil justice system in our state, and to do our our best to find and interpret and properly apply the law at the Supreme Court. We take the most difficult cases, so it's not unusual for us to be in disagreement. But we we stay focused on the nature of searching, for, you know, the, the the core question of searching for the law, and don't, um, you know, partisanship and, and and politics don't get in, just don't become part of the uh, equation for us. Mm-hmm. And and that's the way it should be in the judicial branch. We're not the political branches of government. So I, I I'm very proud of the way our Supreme Court works, and it's. Uh, I think it's an example on how uh, government can work across the board. Although it becomes more difficult, you know, in the in those branches of government that by by their nature are political, hmm. and, we've and, been able to avoid that, and I'm very proud of that. Though. And the idea of reform inside the criminal justice system is 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 kind of a theme right now uh, on the court. You've got uh, some important criminal justice reforms that are being talked about and led by uh, Chief Justice uh, Bridget McCormick and and now this task force that you're leaving. That, again, that's, that's activity that we haven't always seen from the Supreme Court here in Michigan. Well, we're, we're very proud of it. The, the <laughs> members of the court are very proud of how we are uh, representing the people, and I, I appreciate your, uh, your observations. Okay. Michigan Supreme Court Justice... Brian Zara, it was really great to have you here for this conversation on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Yes, and a we reminder. Have to come back after we make our, our uh, final recommendations in the fall. That's right, absolutely. We would love to talk to you then. A uh, reminder that uh, the town hall on this issue will be held from 6 to 8 p.m. tonight at the IBEW Hall on 1358 Abbott Street in Detroit. All right, up next, we are going to talk about all the news that's coming out of the Democratic presidential primaries, and we're going to talk about it with a Republican political consultant. What are Republicans making of all the tumult in the, in the Democratic Party? Stay with us on Detroit Today.